Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Hey, Kate Anderson Brower has the number one book in the country. How cool is it that she is debuting in the number one position for the New York Times bestsellers list? The book is titled The Residence Inside the Private World of the White House. She's joining me now. Hey, Kate, great to have you on radio. I loved having you on television. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe I'm, this news. I'm still pinching myself. I'm so excited. When did you find is. out? Um, last night, they told me. My publisher called. My editor called and said it was. It's number one on the combined print and ebook list. Number three on the nonfiction list. And you know, this is my first. I'm a first time author, so it's just incredibly exciting. I can't something, believe it. Something tells me you won't be a last time author. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> You know, I I have to comment before I get into the substance of the... Well, this is actually in the substance of the book. As per a tweet I sent out in anticipation of you coming on radio, I have noted that a number of media sources like to cast this book as being about the Clintons. Mm -hmm. 
to me, mm-hmm. it's no more about the Clintons than it is any other modern first family. Yeah, I'm glad you did that, too, because the excoriating um, Politico's headline said something about how the book is just, you know, rips apart the Clintons. And that's really not what it does at all. It's it's about, you know, it's about every president since the Kennedys. And it's a tribute to these people who work behind the scenes, these resident staffers, like the butlers, maids, florists who work at the White House. So and what they see and their relationships with each other and with the first families. So, I mean, it's largely a pretty heartwarming book. But of course, during Lewinsky, there were some things that they saw and heard. And, and I think in a way, it humanizes Hillary Clinton, you know, um, rather than ripping her apart. It's the, I'm seeking to kind of show how first families are, you know, essentially human above all else. They're just like everyone else. Well, there, there's, there's a story in the book about Bill Clinton running into a bathroom door, quote unquote, <laughs> coinciding with the Lewinsky scandal coming to light. And I, I guess that's what they're thinking of. Maybe the comment from Chelsea about mm-hmm. how she regards the Secret Service. But that's pretty much it. I mean, otherwise, it seems like uh, here's something else I took away from the book. It seems like, generally speaking, there have been wonderful relationships between first families and Mm -hmm. those who care for them. Absolutely. I mean, this butler who I got to know named James Ramsey, he passed away uh, last year, and Laura Bush and Jenna Bush went to his funeral, and they traveled from uh, Texas to D.C., and she gave his eulogy, Laura Bush, and, uh, and you know, um, letters from the Obamas and the Clintons were read at his funeral, and Laura Bush in the eulogy thanked um, James for being in their lives and for making her husband laugh during really dark times during 9-11, and Barbara Bush still keeps in touch with a lot of these people. I mean, I was shown emails from um, staff, uh, one staffer showed me an email she recently sent to him that signed off, love BPB, Barbara Pierce Bush. Like personal, they keep in personal contact years after they leave the White House, which is incredible. If you ask me to blurb the residents, I would say something like, if you love politics and Downton Abbey, this is a book for you. Well, I like that blurb a lot. Yeah, no, I mean that's kind of the that's the point. And this is these are human stories. I mean, um, sadly, in the past, so it took me two years to report the book, and um, I was catching a lot of people towards the ends of their lives. You know, people in their 80s and 90s. And one of these ushers who started during the Kennedy administration recalled reading a book to John John on the sofa, and that was his favorite memory of all of his 26 years at the White House. Was just simply reading this book to a two-year-old John. Um, Kennedy. And and so these people are really, I mean, they are the last remaining people to really remember what the Eisenhowers and the Kennedys were really like as human beings. And I, I just think that's incredible. According to you in the residence, you can order out for pizza. Oh, um, well, that was that was Barbara Bush. Um, that was a story about the Bushes. And it was after they left that she realized that they could order out for pizza. And so, but in the residence, everything is, and then that was like shocking to them that you could order out for pizza because they are always used to being, you know, they're used to being served all the time by, by butlers. And the Bushes were really comfortable being served all the time. And I think that's also a difference just between the, the Obamas and the Clintons versus the, the Bushes and the Reagans. They, they were um, not used to having this kind of service. Um, the, the Obamas and the Clintons grew up in a more middle class, you know, families, and 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 from all accounts, by all accounts, they were really uncomfortable with these staffers. And when President Obama first walked into the East Room when he was introduced to these 96 people who run the residence, his eyes kind of bugged out, and he was just shocked at the, the size of the staff. 
This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. You you know what what I was most interested in the book, like everybody else, the salacious aspects are of interest to me. But the minutia in your book interested me. Just what is life like living there? I'll give you an example. The you talk about the Clintons having a, a bell system for the phone. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Was it like one ring means it's for Bill Two, it's for Hillary three means it's for Chelsea. 
in, yeah, you know, in a pre in a pre cell phone era, obviously. Yeah, I mean that's the, that that is very Downton Abbey, right? Like there there are actually rings for each person, and they would know um, who the call was for. And actually, the Clintons changed the phone system so that, um, like during the Carters, they always had this this system in place for security reasons. But the Clintons didn't like that system because they thought people could listen in on their phone calls, um, and so they would they changed it so that they could make calls out themselves without having an operator connect them. And I I think a lot of people could identify with that. They didn't like the idea of people listening in, um, you know. And there is, I mean, look, and Asher in the book, I have him on the record saying that the Clintons were the most paranoid first family he ever served. But I think that the context, you know, looking at the Troopergate and the Whitewater scandal and Travelgate, they were dealing with a lot during their entire eight years in the White House that I think added to some of that, you know, if you want to call it paranoia or that need for privacy that they had. Something else that surprised me in your book the first families have to pay. I thought yes. the, the day you get elected, like, you know, it's all scot-free. No, it's incredible. I mean, they, so I interviewed three former first ladies and Rosalind Carter was one of them. And she said she still vividly remembers getting her first monthly bill for $600. And in, you know, the seventies, that's a, that's a lot of money. It still is, a, a, you know, a shockingly high number for people who think they don't have to pay anything. I mean, they get charged for every little thing. Gerald Ford told his daughter, Susan, you know, I see when your friends come over and we have to, you know, pay for the, everything, the, a, a Coke, hamburger. <laughs> And, you know, he was really kind of down to earth and, and he was really upset by it. You know, he was he was watching every penny and um, it gets expensive living in the White House. So the biggest the biggest day in the life of the White House comes every four or eight years. It's inauguration day. What goes on? Well, I mean, everyone's eyes are trained, uh, you know, at the Capitol for the swearing in, but at the White House, they have five hours to move the first family out and move the, uh, the new family in. So, I mean, it's, it's incredible because for security reasons, the staff have to do it themselves. So you have butlers and maids and painters and plumbers, um, you know, taking out clothes and folding them and putting them in drawers, and they do absolutely everything. They even put the toothbrushes, you know, out for the first family. Um, and they're, the first family's interior decorator, of course, is advising them and telling them where things, paintings should be hung and all that. But it's an incredible effort that they make, and I don't think anybody realizes that professional movers don't do this. They drive the truck up, and it's the staff who does the moving in. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a vivid recollection of going to George W. Bush's inauguration in, I was going to say 2000, but it literally would have been 2001, and passing through the neighborhood where the Clintons had purchased a home. I forget exactly where it was in D.C. Mm. It was not Georgetown. Mm. And, and, and seeing moving vans at the new home. And I hadn't driven there deliberately. It was just a, <laughs> yeah. this circuitous. And it, it like there's, you know, there's a reality to all of this that sometimes gets lost on us. I don't know quite what I'm saying other than, yeah. hey, they have to move too, you know? Right. And I think that's part of it. And that's kind of what I think the book shows that these are, you know, Laura, um, rather Michelle Obama, you know, asked the flowers or the florist to label the flowers and the flower arrangements so she could teach the girls the different names for the flowers. She asked one butler to speak French to her daughters to help them learn the language. These are people who are in these incredible circumstances. And in some cases, they're trying to make the best of it. You know, I mean, this is this has been called the great white jail for a reason. It's a very, you know, 
it's a tough place to live. You're constantly under siege or under a microscope, and it's the staff who tries to, to give them privacy. And that's why most of the people I spoke with didn't have a negative thing to say about these first families. I mean, they love them. Um, James Ramsey, a butler, told me he would never forget them, the Bushes. He just loves them dearly. And, and so even these negative stories are painted in a positive light by these, these people. What if you're elected to the presidency and you have no furniture or you choose not to bring furniture from your primary residence? Tell, tell me about that warehouse in Maryland. Yeah, there's a neat uh, warehouse in Riverdale, Maryland, and um, it's a top secret location. You know, it's, it's got these incredible pieces of furniture and it's climate controlled. It's huge. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the first ladies typically will go there and pick out different pieces to bring back to the White House. Um, and so it's it's really incredible. God, I would love to, to get in there um, and see it myself. But, I mean, every single piece of furniture is cataloged. Every uh, the, the year it was made, you know, what, ki- what kinds of furniture it is. They um, have a little place where they can take photos of the furniture for different, you know, there are books of White House um, furniture that are published. Um, but only a small handful of people are ever allowed in that space. And, in fact, the staff was very careful not to tell me anything. Really, I asked them where it was in Maryland, and they wouldn't tell me but I found out myself because you can find it out yourself. It's like but, rooms to go for the first family. <laughs> right, right. And Laura Bush told me that she did most of her, you know, shopping, if, if it, you want to call it that, there because she knew that there was a, some incredible furniture there and they don't need to bring their own furniture. You know, there's really no need. I mean, unless there's something that they, like the Fords brought, you know, their favorite uh, matching chairs for the sitting room where they would sit and watch TV. But some first families just choose to, to use the, the furniture at Riverdale. My my favorite uh, fictitious president is probably Jeff Bridges in The Contender. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And when when uh, he and Joan Allen both nominated for Academy Awards, yeah. Rod Lurie, who I've come to know, wrote it and directed it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you remember the Jeff Bridges character, the president in that movie, mm-hmm. he's constantly calling to the kitchen. And and making these like trying to stump them. He's going to come up with something that they can't possibly make for him. And they always make it for him. You have a discussion in the residence about how they they painstakingly try to cater to the incoming first family choices. And, for example, you know, going from the Bushes, the W. Bushes to the Obamas represented a lot of change. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And especially in going from the um, Clintons to the Bushes was really tough, too. I, I interviewed the executive chef at the time. and he How told so? Me, well, because the Clintons, um, they actually had more high-end food. And they hired this chef, Walter Scheib. They hired him to cook, you know, lemongrass chicken and all of these, you know, American cuisine. Hillary Clinton made a push to uh, to have an American American chef because before there had been a French chef who they fired um, and um, in, in healthier food obviously Bill Clinton when he was on the road went off that diet but when he was at home they ate really high end food and the chef told me that he was really upset because when the Bushes came in he had to then make you know peanut butter and jelly with marshmallow and all this stuff that he just felt like it was kind of beneath him in a way I think that some of them feel like this is their trade and they're very proud of it but their job is to just kind of, you know, completely change what they're doing. And, and actually, he told me he's never had a job quit him before. What but do the Obamas every- eat? 
the Obamas are very, you know, they're very healthy. They really are. In fact, um, I was told that the only time that daughters really get to have, like, ice cream and all that stuff other than the weekends is when the grandmother is in charge of them. That, like, it is true, like, what you see is what you get. They they really do stick to a very strict diet. So, um, and I think that it's boring for some of these people because they are trained chefs. They're really the best at what they do, and they want to experiment, but they have to kind of cater to the needs of the family. So if family wants scrambled eggs or whatever for dinner, that's what they have to make. And it's not, it's not terribly fun for them. They can't be as creative as they'd like to be. So a florist told you that he had to continually move the, the, pardon me, the (laughs) Carter boys bongs from the third floor. Yes, and another staffer confirmed that, too. He said he would regularly have to move bongs when he was trading out flower arrangements on the third floor, which is just, um, which is so funny. And hey, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the boys were putting flowers in them with the water. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It could be innocent. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, the flower shop, there's a lot of, it's kind of like the pastry, the kitchen is kind of a hotbed for uh, rumors and arguments. The executive pastry chef and the executive chef hated each other so much, and they still do, that they, um, who were there during the Clintons and the Bushes, that they had to have a small pastry kitchen um, constructed in a mezzanine level of the White House because they just fought all the time, and it got so bad where the chef would just hand the pastry chef the, the menu. They wouldn't talk about it at all. He would just hand the menu to him so that he could figure out what kind of dessert would go with it. There was no kind of working together. Um, one cook told me he thought there would be blood on the floor if the two of them had to work together much longer. So it's kind of funny. It's like any office, you know, where there's internal squabbling and arguing. It happens at the White House, too. Hey, final question for Kate Anderson Brower. She has the number one book in the nation. How cool is that? The <laughs> residence inside the private world of the White House. How hard was it to get them to talk to you, whether it's the first families, the first ladies in particular, or the staff? Because I would think, Kate, that you it, this is not a hit job, which is why at the outset of the interview, I wanted to address the way in which it's been framed, frankly, I think by people who haven't read it. I have mm-hmm. read it. It is not a hit piece at all. It's just it's just thoroughly engaging and informative. But how did you have to put minds at ease to let them know it wouldn't turn out otherwise? Well, the first ladies uh, actually were pretty eager to talk to me. Rosalind Carter, Barbara, and Laura Bush wanted to uh, talk to me about how terrific these people are and to really pay tribute to them. So that was great. But these actual staffers, and I interviewed more than 50 of them, and then along with more than 100, you know, presidential advisors and and children of presidents, the staffers themselves were harder. I mean, it took two years. It took me going to their houses and sitting on their living room couches and, you know, having lunch with them. and, And eventually, what would happen is I would befriend one of them who would put in a good word for me with somebody else because they realized that this really is a tribute to their hard work. And I really do care about these people. And I have been amazed by the feedback from them. I mean, I just got a letter from a butler's, uh, a deceased butler's daughter who just said, thank you so much for paying tribute to my dad. Here's a $75 money order. Go have lunch on me. What? I mean, I'm thinking really? that is insane. First of all, I'm like, I'm going to have to give this back to you because that's ridiculous. It's so sweet. But they are just, um, they feel like this is a chance to tell their family's stories. And, you know, in a way, it immortalizes their parents who maybe never would have their stories told. And so I'm I'm really proud of it because I do think, I'm happy you said that, I do think it's really, it's certainly not a hit job and it's not partisan um, at all. I mean, so I, I think that that's appealing to people, you know. 
congratulations. I'm really thrilled for your success. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. This is fun talking to you. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. That's Kate okay. Anderson Brower. The book is titled The Residence. I just like that. The way I'm always demanding back of the house stories when you go off and do whatever it is that you Everybody do. Everybody loves back of the house. I love it. This is the, that's what this is, right, yeah. Dan? This Absolutely. is like the ultimate yeah. back of the ultimate house. Wow. It is indeed. And you're right. When I've had some unique experiences, you've asked me, <laughs> well, well, but, but tell us about the setup. Right. Tell us about, you know, when you're when you're on Mar, what's what's the green room look like? Right. And if you remember that night, if you remember that night, I don't know why Mar popped into my mind. But if you remember that that most recent uh, visit that I had on his program, I photographed the whole back of the house process, yes. the cue card guy, the green room, the fruit bowl, right. and people <laughs> the love- The sign on the door. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the big, uh, because they do it on the Price is Right set, the prize wheel. Exactly. And, and people the rotating love seeing all that stuff. All of it. You know what I mean? But that's what this feels like. It really just feels like an insight. And I was fascinated by that last question you asked her and her answer that the first ladies were quick to talk. Yeah. The staffers, not so much. Not so much. And I think, by the way, that's the reason that they have their jobs. Well, look, the word the has discretion. to spread. Yes. I, I'm just thinking about this as, as an author. The, the, the hardest part of this book would be cracking the first couple of nuts so that the word would spread that you don't need to be fearful of she's Kate. A, she's a good egg. She's a good yeah. egg, and, and she wants to do the right thing. And, and Laura gave her her blessing, or Rosalind gave her her, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and then the stories came. I, I just, I've been fascinated by it. So Can't there, hand it over. I got to read it. There you go. <laughs> well, now I can. Yeah. Now yeah. I can. Then you can give it to Dan. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program. Weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. And anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.